All right, this is PH2T3R, Pater, the Journal of Solar Culture. And uh, we are here today with uh, C.B. Robertson and uh, Bronson uh, from uh, Moss and Blood and uh, a number of other uh, enterprises that he's always working on. Uh, he's joining us from <laughs> India, so if the power cuts out, he may uh, uh, have to jump back in at some point, but that's fine. And today we're going to talk about running. And uh, the, the, the two of these guys both uh, ganged up and uh, displayed an interest in spiritual running uh, recently. And uh, we had a running challenge in the Order of Fire uh, recently, which mostly they did. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's it, uh, some other guys did it as well. And, uh, you know, we, we but it is a thing. A lot of guys, uh, there's a lot of talk about lifting. There's a lot of talk about uh, combat sports and other things like that. But uh, uh, running is also uh, running is a survival skill. Uh, and, you know, if, if you can't run away, uh, you know, I guess you have to fight. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's you know, running is something that we all really should be able to do at least for a certain distance. Uh, it's a, definitely a, a, a core competency, I think. So uh, with that uh, said, let's just uh, get started because they have a lot of interesting things to talk about regarding running. Uh, we're not just going to talk about like, uh, uh, I don't know, like splits or like, you know, like uh, technical things about running because that's not the right crew for this. This is the philosophical crew. So we'll talk about the philosophy of running. So Christopher, I think you have some uh, things you'd like to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> well, sure. Um, I, I like the introduction with, with running away from things, which is, of course, value. The He who learns to run away lives to fight another day or however the saying goes. But I, I'm I'm not convinced that's true with long distance running. There, uh, J- our friend Josh, who actually won our challenge, um, so we, we have to send him his, his prize for that. But uh, he, he was making fun of me on my longer runs. Like, what are you running from? And, and of course, anyone who's running away from something like a, a cougar or a bear, they better be sprinting like hell, like the way an antelope or a deer will sprint away. But that, that long distance endurance, you know, lope, the, the only other animal I know of, I'm sure there's more that does that is are wolves. Um, and humans are better than wolves at long distance running. It's an entirely predatory activity. There is no purpose for in running away with jogging. It's only useful for tracking and wearing down and eventually killing um, prey animals. And you see this with the greatest human predators. We have people like Cameron Haynes, who runs ultra marathons as training for his elk bow hunting season. And you have, you know, Navy SEALs like David Goggins and, and guys like that who will do that just to, to push themselves and see. But all, all the great, you know, human warriors and hunters are also endurance athletes. Um, and uh, to, to run away, you don't need that. But if you're going to hunt something down, you do. Yeah, I think that's an interesting perspective that you said about some of the greatest warriors also, because um, one of the people that actually inspired me to start running fasted was Conor McGregor. And he had kind of, it was was just this very short clip that he had, but it really struck me when he was saying, you know, in the wild, like, or I guess in in earlier human times, when people would be pursuing game, usually you're pursuing game because you're hungry. 
And so just as a mental tactic to kind of um, invoke that primal energy, he would do all of his morning runs without eating in order to stay hungry, to feel that hunger while he's in that pursuit. And I thought that was just a really interesting tactic. And, you know, that's like many training modalities that we have. Usually we're trying to simulate something and uh, from the past that is no longer necessary in order to kind of maintain that natural animal instinct that we have for, for different things, but obviously they're not always necessary, but um, I think it's just when you do participate in running guys that really push themselves to the limit, get to experience that um, engagement with the primitive man inside of all of us. It's a feeling that I get at least, you know, once I hit a certain point in certain distances where you're just in the flow. And um, especially if you're trail running, like I don't really like road running that much, but if you're trail running and for me, when I was doing my spiritual running here in India, this was totally new terrain for me. So, you know, you're just, you're gliding over new terrain. You're having to navigate trails that you've never ran on before. And um, it can just, it can bring about a lot of uh, things inside of us. I think that are dormant that can't really be activated in unless you're in, you know, a physical pursuit, like running a literal pursuit, or I guess a metaphorical pursuit as we were doing with the spiritual running in the order of fire. Yeah, it, it, it's, it taps into, I mean, long distance running, which is permitted by sweating, which other mammals can't do because they have too much hair for that. Um, like that, that's one of the defining things about human beings, you know, our, our more complex vocal range and, and the sort of subsequent complex language and our ability to throw and our ability to keep running. We can run down like horses or, you know, all kinds of other things that's that's as species defining as anything else about us and so when you when you do that run and you you get through that that first wall of pain into that euphoria and that almost sense of freedom of holy shit i can keep going i can keep doing this for a lot longer than i thought sensation is not just connecting you to a deeper part of yourself it's connecting you to a whole line of humanity of who you are at a, at like a species level. Um, and I think it's healthy for people to connect with that. And, and, uh, it, it's not spiritual in a, in a specific religious kind of sense, but it's spiritual in the sense of connecting with the, the spirit that created your, your very species and, and your, your purpose as one of the strangest and most dangerous kinds of mammalian predators. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I think our challenge especially was, I kind of was, I was cracking jokes at guys in the group the other day about this, about, you know, just, uh, it was a, um, it was interesting that the push-up challenge versus the running challenge participation was so, so low with the running versus the push-ups. And I kind of made a joke about leg day, but I think it's actually more <laughs> a reflection of like where people are at physically and mentally and even just as a culture i thought that was interesting because there are people many people who will literally never sprint or run long distances for the rest of their adult lives yeah. you know and um 
I think it's just, it's important to, I guess, not allow your blade to get dull, both physically and mentally, because like you were saying, you know, there's a certain point in a run where you cross over the pain threshold and you actually get better. And I don't know if there are very many physical pursuits or physical training where that occurs outside of long distance running, you know, like with weightlifting. Yeah. You know, you reach like failure in a set, but you don't really reach a pain threshold where you actually become a better lifter. Right. And so I think that's a really, that's called the point of injury. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, So I don't know how you feel about that or what your experience was with running, but I, I find it's just, there's almost a, um, an evolution that happens in a long distance run where you actually get better. And that's only really something you can experience. I think when you're really pushing your limits and maybe that is a uniquely human thing to, I guess that maybe that's a spiritual side of the physical pursuit of running. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's what people are experiencing when they're having a spiritual run is this, you know, this evolution that happens through the course of the, a long distance run. I think that, well, there is comparable to that. I would say, uh, I mean, it's not really a real sport, <laughs> but, uh, 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 CrossFit stuff, um, mm. because of the, the massive like cardio overload that, uh, you get when you're doing like, Oh, Oh, we had like 10 rounds of 50 burpees or, you know, something like that. And, you know, there's this threshold of like, I can't do this anymore. And then Mm. if you keep going past that, there's something similar, I think that happens where, and it also, it does increase in the way that probably running does, but in a different way, uh, because it's a different kind of cardio, but uh, um, that's what pushes your VO2 max up is like, okay, well, I did all these really hard things. And, and, you know, that's, my boxing coach always used to say that it's like changing your pocket. Cardio is like changing your pocket. Like it's just, you know, money in your pocket. It just goes away if you, you know, it long enough. Uh, so uh, very much, you know, it's like if you do that kind of stuff on a regular basis, your cardio is like through the roof. Uh, mm-hmm. But, and that's also why people do those things in the groups. Cause it's actually really hard to self-motivate to push yourself that hard. Um, yeah. you know, and it, whereas running, I think it's more like you keep going and going. I remember how we had a joke, uh, uh, Afi and I back in the day, uh, my old assistant, um, we were, you know, taking boxing classes together and, and he would just send us out for a run, uh, as part of the class. And, uh, he sent us out for the first time he sent us out for a five mile run. I don't think either of us had ever run more than like two miles. And, you know, we got to a point and he, he made a joke. He's like, every step is further away from the Shire than we've ever been before. <laughs> you know, So, you know, and, and we ended up doing that, I think like an 8k or something like then later that year, uh, you know, and that was fun. It, there is a thing where you get past a certain point of like, okay, well, this is how far I've ever been able to go. And then you keep going. I kind of, I, I get what you guys are saying. My sister runs, she ran her 52nd marathon, uh, like uh, not too long ago. And it's just been a weird thing watching her do that for all these years. She started doing it when she had kids. Um, and I think a lot of people do that actually uh, because, you know, they get up at four o'clock in the morning and they go run for a really long time and then they can deal with life, you know, cause they have all, it's their me time. 
you know, like where they're just by themselves or just like with one other person, but you're quiet and they, and they, they're getting like their own, like solitary time. It's like a meditative thing uh, for a lot of people. I think that's why she's doing it. But I also, um, she's also addicted to it in the way that power lifters are addicted to power lifting. Yeah. Uh, like at this point she keeps, she knows that she should probably stop running marathons, you know, cause I mean, that's a different thing than just like distance running sometime. I mean, she, you know, like she's done several this year and uh, you know, it's like over time there's a wear and tear issue, I think, you know, probably. Yeah. And it's kind of fucked up her thyroids and all kinds of stuff. Like there's been a lot of issues, but yeah. which who knows if the, you know, it's everybody's different. I don't know health. if this is, I don't know if this is true or not, but I've, right. I've heard a number of people make the make the argument that um, everyone gets addicted to something at some point. So if your choice of addiction is CrossFit or marathons instead of meth, you could do worse, you know? That's fair. <laughs> if you go with coffee, <laughs> coffee and Gold Monster instead of alcohol, also yeah, yeah. probably good, you know? Um, and, and it's true. Running can get addictive. And it was very interesting to hear the, the sorts of reasoning that people give for why they like strength training, but not running. There's the, like the physique argument that they'll bring up the, the point to some marathon runner. Who's like, he looks like he's fresh out of Auschwitz, like, like not, right. not good. Um, but I mean, you could, you could point to really grotesque, you know, hypertrophied bodybuilders that look not even human anymore in like a bad way. And, and then there are, you know, strong men who are insanely impressive and also look fat. Um, like at, at the extremes of any of these sports, you're going to get some, some odd appearances, but long distance running is actually odd because you, you can get ultra marathon runners like, uh, Dean Carnese's or who, who also rock climbs and wakeboards or whatever. Um, or Cameron Haynes or David Goggins, all of these guys have run like the Badwater Ultra Marathon. All of these guys have done these 150, 200 mile races and placed, and they're built in their upper body. They've they've got bigger traps than a, a lot of the guys who are, you know, talking down on running. Um, Nick and, Barr is another one. Nick Barr just competed in in a competitive bodybuilding, and uh, you know he's he owns a supplement company more jack than i am you know more jack than most people are and you know he's he's running you know anywhere from 15 to 20 miles a day Oof. you know so there's lots of guys that do that and who have just incredible muscular physiques you know so yeah it's it's interesting that there's there's always these yeah. extremes on either end of the spectrum of fitness yeah and and the point is they're compatible you, you can do both <laughs> You don't, we'll you don't have close. to choose. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, and I think what it really comes down to is like sort of what Bronson was saying before is that like there is pain in, in, in weightlifting for sure, especially on those like heavy squats and, and stuff. Um, but uh, it's not that sustained pain. It's not like ripping off the same bandaid over and over again for, you know, an hour. It's, it's like one hard, you know, maybe if it's a really hard lift to 10, 15 second burst. Um, whereas with running, you know, I, I did, I think my, my peak this last month was a, a 12 mile run, which took me a couple hours to do. Um, and that wasn't even that bad. Cause I wasn't pushing myself as hard as I did later with some six milers and stuff, but, but, um, you know, 
going through that pain for a long time takes a lot of willpower to, to keep going in a way that the, the, the short bursts and stuff, it's not, it's not the same kind of pain that you're enduring. And I think a lot of the guys endurance pain. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and I think, I think that, I think that uh, quite reasonably uh, scares and puts off a lot of people. Uh, It did for me. The only reason I started cross country back in school is I wanted to be a better soccer player. I hated long distance running, (laughs) but uh, I stuck with running and stopped playing soccer uh, even and kept running even after soccer. It was just a habit at that point. But um, the interesting thing about it too, is like, I think for most people who run, they don't get up in the morning psyched to go and do a run the way that most people get up in the morning psyched to go and get a pump at the gym. It's like, there's also that mental hurdle occurs every workout, at least for me, it does. Like if I get it in the back of my mind that, okay, I'm going to commit to, you know, running 10 to 20 kilometers. It's like every time that you lace up to do that, there's a certain amount of talking yourself up to it. So there's, there's always, you know, it's just the next level of overcoming and you're having to overcome that obstacle repeatedly. And then you have to overcome that obstacle repeatedly during the run. And I think that's why you, people who get to the point where they're doing like 200 mile races just have so much resilience because it's just a muscle in your mind that you're building. And that's David Goggins whole thing with this, with his long distance running, you know, he's always training the mind and he goes to some extremes that are obviously unhealthy, but that's true for anyone who's running basically over like six miles, you know, or I guess for me, it's kilometers. So I do everything kilometers. So like anything over, you know, 10 kilometers is a hard run. The first run that I did, I didn't train for it all. I was just like, this seems like something hard that would be fun and satisfying to overcome. Um, And so I just, I entered like a a 10K, which for most people that really run, that's like an easy morning jog. But for me, I'd never ran before. I was mostly lifting at the time. And it was just really interesting, the process that your mind goes through as the distance goes on. And, you know, you reach a point where, kind of somewhere in the middle, you are experiencing a lot of pain, but to David Goggins credit, his 40% rule where, you know, basically once you think you've got nothing left, I think it's either you're at 40%, you've got 40% more in you. And once you push past that threshold, that is really true. At least I experienced that. And the pain subsided for the majority of the runner, at least it was curved by the resilience in my mind and was no longer affecting me mentally and allowed me to push even harder in the run. And um, even just in addition to that, the fact that you're racing versus running solo from a performance aspect and just the perspective of pushing your own personal resilience, like my times, I beat my previous times by like a a full minute on each mile or, or on each kilometer. And, you know, it's just, it's just really interesting how unique that is as far as the pursuit of running goes and, you know, just how much resilience you do build by doing runs regularly or competing in runs. It's just, I don't know, I've done basically every kind of training. And I think with running, there isn't anything that builds your mental strength more than that. And it's kind of interesting because obviously with the order of fire, we have a lot of, you know, 
things that are, uh, we do things mythically in the order of fire. And uh, in Navajo culture, uh, there's something called uh, the run of life. And it's basically a metaphor for life uh, that you go through this journey of your spiritual run in order to build resilience in your run that uh, translates or is a metaphor for the struggles in life that you'll be um, better at overcoming, you know, by doing these, these practices. I like that a lot. It, I mean, the, the, the myth side of it is always fascinating because I being the, the Homer nerd I am, I always go back to, you know, the Iliad and the Odyssey and what you have in Odysseus is a man who, who is a man of endurance, not running specifically, but there's this funny scene where he's on the Island of the Phaeacians and they're, they're doing their games and, someone challenges him to a foot race and he says, Oh no, I can't. He, he basically says, I, I can't sprint. I'm, I'm like slow. I can't do that. But he's got very big legs that some people amusingly comment on. No, that's the it's a different book. Uh, the suitors comment on at the end, getting my feast scenes mixed up, but he, he can outcompete them in other events and he can, he can keep going. And it's like many of these other famous sailor stories, like Kontiki, the Thor Heyerdahl and the the Nordic explorers who who crossed the Pacific in a raft, essentially, or um, the fittingly named uh, Endurance, the story of Ernest Shackleton and his crew who got broken up on the ice, and his his family motto was "Through endurance we conquer." And he, unlike Odysseus, he was able to bring his whole crew home in one alive um but but that that endurance seems to be associated with older men and with life whereas you know in the odyssey or in the iliad i'm sorry the the more youthful and attractive to passionate young men achilles is his epithet is swift-footed he's the sprinter he's the explosive man with explosive passion um and that's attractive. It has a lot of um, appeal to young men who feel that way, who can connect with that. But it, there seems to be a pattern where um, as people, men mature and get older, and I think this was true of, of um, Adam Nicholson as well. Uh, he said as he got older, he became more of an odyssey person and began to connect with that, that endurance over time. And I can't remember if you or Jack brought this up earlier, but uh the, the the age participation um, in running. There's a, a wonderful book uh, called Born to Run by Chris McDougall who talks about this and brings in some data and says if, if, you, if you draw a graph where, where the average age of a participant in a marathon and then you find the two points where um, on, on one side you have 18 just like the youngest adults that can participate. What's, what's the opposite end of that graph that is equal in, was it number of participants as, as the 18 year olds from the, from the middle point? I'm sure I'm setting this up horrifically wrong, but you have this extraordinary span of age ranges. And I think the equivalent number was in the seventies, like people in their seventies are participating in marathons at a similar rate to people who are 18, which is unheard of in any other sport. No other sport. And um, 
strangely, uh, women seem to be, you know, competitive to a similar degree, not exactly the same level as men, but like much closer than you would see in like powerlifting. Mm. So, which again speaks to the, to the more generally and uniquely human nature of this thing. It's interesting too, because I mean, I think I feel that I'm, I'm obviously I'm in my thirties and still a, a young buck, but I think like if you're someone who is always trying to get better, running is something you can pretty much continue to get better at for the rest of your life. As long as you stay relatively healthy and injury free, you know, like we've talked a lot. I think, you know, Jack's talked about this a lot, especially with powerlifting. There's a certain point of diminishing returns. You know, you're, you only have so many PRs in your life when it comes to powerlifting. And if you want to continue to get better, you need to be able to pivot and find other pursuits that you can actually continue to sell, excel at to get that feeling of becoming better and the rush of seeing, you know, incremental progress over time. And, you know, you, like you were saying, you see people who, who are in their seventies, you know, maybe, I don't know people in their seventies, what their times are like, but I definitely know that there are guys in their fifties and sixties, you know, who are my dad's age, who are still crushing marathons, you know, like getting awesome times running super long distances. They're able to run frequently and you're able to push yourself like that. And it's, you know, it's kind of a testament to what you're saying, you know, between the age difference and the gender difference, the fact that everyone who is human can excel at running and can continue to excel and get better at running throughout the course of their life. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think there is a differentiation between body types a little bit with running. Uh, you know, like sure. I saw this guy at the gym to this, today and God bless him. Uh, Cause he, he just, you know, like everybody gets the hand that they're dealt. And uh, this dude had the biggest ass and the biggest like thighs that I've ever seen on a man. And like, and, and like, and he's just, he's built that way. That's just like how he came out, you know, like, uh, and you know, obviously, so he was working on his legs and that's his thing. And he's like, uh, you know, he's a short guy. And he was just super fucking stocky. Like that dude is not running anywhere fast, you know, <laughs> but God, God bless him. He had his shirt. Good point. He had one of those shirts on that said thick, thick, thick thighs, save lives. <laughs> it, it was a hot girl on it or whatever. And I was like, okay, he knows who he is. He's got, he's got it figured out, whatever. I, yeah. I thought it was a really good way. It was just kind of cool to see. But I mean, there's definitely like a different, I mean, when I was delivering treadmills, uh, we did a lot of, we actually, uh, when I was delivering exercise equipment in Oregon, which is like running capital, you know, whatever, Nike, all that stuff. Um, and especially like whatever, what's that guy that the movie was about? Prefontaine. Prefontaine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so that's, it's a state of that. Oh, we just lost Bronson. He said Prefontaine ah. disappeared. I'm sure he'll <laughs> pop back in. <laughs> oh, there he is. He's back. I don't have to let him in again. Hopefully. Okay. No, but uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, anyway, uh, what happened when I was delivering, we, we used to actually deliver treadmills to Olympic competitors, uh, like uh, to Olympic runners. And so like, uh, you know, they, we walk into their house and they'd have the wall full of Nikes that they've been given, you know, like to do the, <laughs> like the, to they could wear a different pair every day. And uh deliver these special treadmills uh, to them. Uh, and then they could, uh, 
one of them I think had one with grass on it. Like that, that was a that was about. I don't think they used that. That was a different thing that was go, kind of a, a thing that was coming out. But uh, they had treadmills where they were suspended slightly, huh. where it would it would actually lift them off and take some of the weight off them while they were running, so they could still get the miles in without the body stress, which I thought was interesting. Without the full body stress, I mean, obviously they had body stress, but not the full weight of them. Yeah. But uh, I also noticed that they were both built like birds. Right. Um, you know, like uh, it was a husband and wife and they were both like Olympic runners and competitors and like the size of their ankles and shoes, it, like, like they, they were like very thin bird-like people, yeah. <laughs> you know? There's and I think to be though. highly competitive at certain things. Obviously, you know, you've cited some examples of, of different guys who were like, you know, break the mold on that. But I think generally oh, yeah. speaking, that at the highest levels, they tend to be thin people. And the other thing that was interesting oh, sure. was they had, uh, uh, because we, you'll kind of appreciate this because you do installations and stuff. Um, you know, we were in this house um, delivering these treadmills and all of a sudden you start to get like, like kind of like spacey. And we realized we were in a California mountain room. I mean, a Colorado mountain room uh, where they pull the, they, they pull the like air, you know, like, so it's, so it's like you're at a high elevation. And they live in that, so it's that they can fly around chamber. the world and trade. Yeah, yeah. So you wow. start to get like uh, space. So that they're, they're you know at that extreme level of the game, like that's the stuff that they're doing. So that was kind of a cool experience uh, to see that. You know, but simulating uh, six thousand, eight thousand feet, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that, but uh, I mean, that's like I said, as, as far as running, there is a thing like you know, I think there are obviously certain body types that are better for it. Um, oh sure. Yeah. Well, and yeah. just like just like yeah. powerlifting, like I oh, yeah. I do not look. I'm close, but I don't look exactly like half Thor Bjornsson. So <laughs> I'm not going to be doing probably quite thousand pound deadlifts. You know, in in my yeah, there's a frame future. Right, and yeah. and but but that doesn't mean that I can't get better at um at lifting. And and the same way that like some people don't have that Ethiopian physique. Right. They're not going to be just naturally. And Ethiopians are interesting because they're like, people don't know that Ethiopia is basically on this plateau at super high altitude. And so they're actually already at that altitude frame and their bodies have actually adapted to that altitude in a way that is conducive to long distance running that uh, Tibetans and Andeans did not. They they adapted in different ways. Um, Just a little cool tidbit of anatomical you know, yeah. difference there, but um, like, so, so not everyone's going to be, you know, an, like a winning ultra marathon runner, right. but, but that doesn't mean like, you know, some cheetahs are going to be faster than other cheetahs, right. but all cheetahs are still designed to kill antelope by running. Yeah. And, well, and it's the same argument are, we make all the time. Yeah. I mean, like just because you're not going to be the best doesn't mean that you can't do it. Yeah. And it doesn't mean yeah. that mm-hmm. you aren't built for this purpose. Yeah. And, and that was one of the central points of Christopher McDougall's book. And the reason he called it born to run is because he had suffered an injury. Oh. He was, a, he was a GQ sports writer and he kept trying to run and he kept screwing up his knee and he kept going to all these different sports med doctors. And they kept saying, you're, you, you just don't have the physique for it. Don't try it. You're, you're just not born to run. You're, That's you're, what the doctors you're, always say. About yeah. You, you should be, you know, try swimming, try an elliptical, try a Nordic ski machine, do these other things, whatever. And he just refused to give up. And in his refusal to give up, he went down this long rabbit hole about uh, anatomy and ergonomics and running and found out that a well-intentioned gentleman also from Oregon, 
I think, um, who in who invented the jogging shoe with the intention of trying to get more Americans out jogging, um, accidentally caused people to start running heel to toe, which with enough cushioning feels comfortable, but in fact puts a lot of impact stress on your knees that you don't get when you're running on the balls of your feet. And so like the one big takeaway from the born to run book is like, if you're going to run, run on the balls of your feet is actually like the better way to do it. Um, and there's this funny, like barefoot Ted character that keeps coming through that story. But um, like I've been running with minimalist, not quite Vibrams, but sort of Amazon cheap uh, pretend Vibrams probably half the time I go for runs, um, which is a killer calf workout. But uh, like I'm, I'm sympathetic to a lot of the people who, who have some other injury, like they got their, their hip blown up in an IED or something, or they had a really bad knee injury and, or they tore their ACL playing soccer or running back or something. And now it's like, that's different. But uh, like the fear of injury with running, I think is, is would be as misplaced as the fear of, you know, ripping your bicep, doing a deadlift uh, in, in powerlifting, it's like injuries are always a risk, but you're, you, in any case, you're more likely to suffer injuries sitting at a desk for eight hours a day in the long run than you are of, you know, having the, 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 you know, will to, to get up and be active instead. Yeah. Well, I think there's also just as far as the entry level point of it, uh, it really helps if you're already lean. Like- That's true. Uh, when I see a dude who looks like I'm going to get in shape and he's like over 220 pounds running, unless he's a really just, you know, there are jacked dudes that are 220 pounds. Uh, but, uh, that's because they're big. Uh, but, uh, a guy who's, you know, my size and 220, 230 pounds. Um, I'm like, you need to get on elliptical first. you like, you like it. Cause it, it hurts. I mean, like it, I mean, it hurts not in like that cool, like you fork, like cool way. But if you're a really heavy guy and you're and you're uh, that'll wreck your knees. Running is not the right start. Yeah, you know, probably. Well, just just walk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, hundred percent. Yeah, like they, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. They, they, it's like they can do it eventually. But I think that's you know, so many Americans are obese that like you're not going to send them out running get right yeah. away because I mean, it is one of those things you want to be in a healthy weight range to do. I oh think, yeah, but if know. you're if you're like seriously overweight. But yeah. you, if you start a program of going out for a 20 minute walk a day and, and not like meandering, but like a serious walk, yeah. uh, you're going to lose weight. Oh yeah. Like, like it, it will help to fix your diet too. And you'll have to wait some time, but it will, it, yeah, you will lose weight. I've, I've tried running with backpacks and with 45 pound weight vests and uh, it's pretty brutal. Um, I, and, and you get a, a taste of, of what that might be like if you're like, Oh, if I had an extra 45 pounds, I was trying to run. Yeah. I'm not going to be able to do a, a sub seven minute mile. <laughs> yeah. I'm always uh, confused such a good... about people. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Bronson. Go ahead. I was just going to add, I mean, that's actually just such a good example of why people who don't want to run, even guys who have, you know, a significant amount of size and strength, should run is, you know, like you were saying, it's like, okay, so you throw a bit of extra weight, weight, weight on your body and 
everything is now harder or your hips have the, you're discovering all these issues in your hips or these imbalances in your ankles or inflammation in the tendons in your feet. It's like, those are things that you are able to train through running that you can't by just sitting there pumping weights. You know, it's like putting a different kind of stressor on the body is just good for all life things. You know, it's like if you're maybe a, a 200, you know, 20 pound overweight person, you know, is, isn't going to reach the point where they're bench pressing or they have the physique that they want. But like by just getting to the point where they could go for a short run without it injuring them is going to improve almost every aspect of their life. So that's another part of it too. Yeah. And, and there's, I mean, there's a lot to be said about the physical side, but there's also the cognitive and mental side as well. I mean, it's been known for a very long time. It's it's only been discovered within the last like five or 10 years. I think that weight training also has a lot of very serious mental, uh, you know, beneficial effects. It, it staves off cognitive decline a lot. Um, but running does that as well. And I can't imagine they do it in exactly the same way. Um, and you could probably, you would probably be getting different benefits from doing both than just doing one or the other. So as far as injury prevention, just staying active is, is probably just as good for, for injury prevention as, as it is for, uh, you know, getting injured. I always try to keep, I, I, I equally hate the idea of uh, uh, super heavy guys going into powerlifting too, because then they'll just stay super heavy. Uh, <laughs> like they need to get an elliptical or go for a walk or do something like that and, and get yeah. moving and lose weight before because if you if you sit them if you sit them under a bar they're just going to start working for prs because that's what dudes do and they're gonna be like gotta eat for power <laughs> and and uh, yeah. they'll just get bigger uh so i always whenever somebody's like uh they're, they're heavy and they're like i think i want to lose weight i got so i'm gonna start like powerlifting no <laughs> That's a You'll bad, start bad eating thing. gummy bears for every single one of your workouts <laughs> every day. You know, you'll be eating cheeseburgers for you know post-workout refeeds. It's yeah, it's, a, it's, it's like a, a dirty form of like like uh, like body positivity or whatever. <laughs> like there's gonna be people around you that'll be like, no, you're beautiful just the way you are. <laughs> like. <laughs> You're oh wait, you're strong but pretty, like <laughs> like strong yeah. and pretty or whatever the shirt is. You know? I saw this this hilarious interview where this uh this woman was interviewing a Russian powerlifter and she's uh -huh. like, If you're so strong, how come you don't even have a six pack? And he's like, Oh, a <laughs> uh, six pack is uh, not a sign of power. A six pack is a sign that you uh, don't eat enough. And it's this is, <laughs> this is a pretty it. like ten out of ten for, for quippy responses, but like yeah. It is better to have a lower body fat, you know. It is better to not be strongman fat. Um, as impressive as those guys are in, in their own way. Yeah. Well, someone just made a post about it the other day that uh, uh, I was laughing about because one of the guys in our group was on a rant about uh, uh, balance. Uh, he hates being told to find balance. <laughs> One of the guys in the Canadian crew. And uh, I actually sent it to him today. It was somebody, everything uh, is about balance. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, damn it. Uh, and, and really, I mean, those guys are everyone who's at the extreme level of any sport, as you were saying earlier, is not in balance. You know, like they're at an extreme level, you know, like if you're an ultra marathoner, you're not in balance. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're not, you're not like having a life work balance and like, you know, like whatever you're doing something extreme. 
Right. In the sense, and the same thing is true for, uh, you know, um, you know, power lifters and strong men who are like, I need to be 340 pounds. Uh, yeah. You know, it's the same kind of deal. You know, and like, and it's funny because it does seem like a lot of men younger as well as middle-aged men achieve balance through this, this cycle of extremes where they'll, they'll go super hard on one thing and they'll go super hard on another and the, they'll discover the downsides of that extreme. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I have no family life and my wife hates me now. And then they go hard family and then they lose a bunch of income. And you know, like over time, this like ping pong cycle of extremes can can give you a balanced life perhaps. And I think for guys who are motivated by competition or being the best or going hard, they're the guys who really connect with David Goggins. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the only way they can get there. Um, and, and achieving not just balance because you can be balanced and mediocre, but like balanced at higher levels of, of competence and excellence. And it, and it seems to that's work super true. That's super true for me. Um, I think that was actually literally what I said to Jack on this subject of everything about balance in our group. Um, because at least for, for me, like, and I know this is probably like a male thing specifically, this, this is, this is probably really common, but like, I will find things to obsess over until I kind of reach the edges of my capabilities. And maybe I don't become an ultra marathon runner, but maybe I can actually run a marathon and maybe I can actually deadlift 400, 500 pounds, you know, maybe you can actually have a good physique and be, or, and also be like a proficient hunter or outdoorsman and have all of these skills where they're above average skills, but you're a very um, well-rounded individual because you have taken the time to obsess over these extremes and see what your limits are in each one of these areas. And that can make you, you know, really capable at a lot of different things by doing that. Yeah. I mean, I, that's, that's kind of how I approach stuff. I mean, I don't know how obsessive I get about any one thing. Uh, but, uh, I, I always say like, you, you can never stop exercising because otherwise you turn into a piece of shit. So, um, you're going to have to keep finding new shit to do because it gets boring. I mean, right now, I mean, two years ago, I could have spent two hours in the gym and right now it's like, I look at my program and I'm like, I have about a 50 minute timer in my head that I'm like, I'm done now. I want to leave. I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> you know, it, this is boring. Uh, you know, like, uh, you know, and so I, I'm, I'll come back later and do cardio. I don't want to be here anymore. I want to go somewhere else. Mm. Uh, you know? And so, but I mean, like when we did that kettlebell stuff, I don't think I've had that much fun exercising as I did trying to catch those kettlebells. Like oh, yeah. for the those first time in forever. Fun. Yeah. I, I was like, like, and I'm still following these dudes who do the kettlebell flow and throw it over their heads and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, now I'm kind of like, I kind of want to like go out and do that again. Like it's, it's fun. You know, like, uh, and so, yeah, you have to find different things all the time. So like right now, like Bronson's into running, you know, like he was at, they were lifting like a few years ago and now he's into running and uh, you know, it just, and it's also like what you can do. I mean, you're in India uh, you know, like you're probably mm-hmm. not going to start powerlifting in India because who knows, there might be a place or might not, depending on where you are. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. and also like, you know, hunting is going to be kind of difficult, <laughs> you know, because you, you're yeah. doing a lot of hunting. Hunting isn't exactly. really, you know, something they probably let you do, I would imagine. <laughs> but uh, no, I don't think there'd be any animals in India if they allowed 2 billion people to just start hunting. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
So, you know, like you, you have to find stuff that's available to you and the stuff that, uh, you know, is, you know, um, interesting to, at a time until you get done with it. And then you go on to the next thing. And yeah, over time, I've, I've thought about that even recently. I'm like, I've, I've done a lot of things at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, and I have a lot of like basic competencies in a lot of these things that like, I forget that people don't know. You know, like someone commented when I did that stupid video about push-ups, like your form is really good. I was like, well, of course it is. I know how to do push-ups, you know, but like, <laughs> you know, but we saw people who don't, <laughs> you know, so like. I'm it's... probably one of those people on that list. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't think I noticed that, but uh, like yeah, with a few people who are half repping, uh, like, uh, and, uh, you know, and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, it's like, I, I've, yes, I've been yeah. taught by really professionals how to do that correctly, <laughs> you know, and, and so yeah. you get, you start to get those things over time, which, yeah, you, like you said, you get this collection of like, pretty solid skills and yeah. competencies. And that's, I think that's one of the tragedies of life though, is that you get, you get a, that's one of the things that sucks is that you spend all this time learning all this shit and then you just die. <laughs> like, like you get really, really good. Like, so many things. Like I have so many things I got good at and like, and then you just die. Yeah. You know, but, uh, but, but I think on the other side of the, um, you know, the, the oscillating, uh, vicissitudes of of extreme rabbit holes that young guys like to go down. Uh-huh. Well, hopefully, what is discovered on the other sides of the the positives as well as the negatives of these extremities, it are things that are worth doing in themselves. You know, and you come out with habits like push ups or kettlebells or, in my case, things like running or chess or you know whatever else that like or lifting orange rocks. Or lifting orange rocks. Orange <laughs> rocks are pretty great. Um, I've gotten into the boulder lifting, and I have to say, there is something to it that is different than just lifting heavy weights that I enjoy. It is. It is a little different, uh, especially natural stones. Um, we have to watch that full Sturker film at some point, Ian. But um, it like there are some things that are good and good to do intrinsically, and and hopefully in the in the, the journey through these islands of extremities, the, the good things can be extracted and brought into our regular life. And even to the point that they become maybe mundane some days, like there are many days I go to work and I'm like, that's ah, same shit, different day. Um, but I'm still here. I don't have to be here. I could stay home and, and let, you know, work online and, and make plenty of money that way. But no, I want to work with my hands. And then, you know, a year later after I've endured that, like the boredom or some like boring job that lasts six months of apartments or whatever, it, you, you come out very satisfied that you stuck it out. And I think running is one of those things that are, that is like that. And there's, a, there's this wide category of things that are like that, that aren't contingent upon, you know, continued PRs, continued escalating improvement. I would be happy with doing nothing more than two mile runs, you know, four days a week for the rest of my life. If I could never run more than two miles, that'd be fine. It's cool that I can go out and do eight, 10, 12 miles um, where I feel like it. Sometimes I can't now because I have too many people in my house to, (laughs) to maintain, but um, you know, in the times, you know, two miles is enough, you know, um, will I be able to lift the Dinny stones in Scotland? Probably not, but my 180 pound stone is pretty fun to lift. 
you know, mm-hmm. and, and I'll, I could keep doing that for ever, you know, I really miss, I really like uh, two miles about where I, I'm like, that's good for me. Uh, as far as running, it's not, you know, I, not the big deal. Uh, but uh, like the other day, I, the first day we did it, I ran five and then I like couldn't walk right for like three days. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I, it also, it's 105 degrees here. Uh, but, <laughs> but, uh, uh, it, it's uh, I'd have to get up early in the morning or running before it gets hot out. Uh, but uh, I actually really wish I could, I, I like more, it's not quite sprinting, but it is a PR chasing thing. Like uh, in the way that like, the exact same mentality of is like, if I could get a 225 pound overhead press again, uh, the reps that you would put in and whatever to do that. Uh, in 2020, when I was like, I got a like sub six uh, mile time. And like, uh, that was like, I, have you seen me? I don't look like I should be able to run a five, sub six mile time. <laughs> you know, like, uh, uh, you know, and I was always a fat kid. Like that is not like a real thing that I was at whatever early forties that I was able to do that. And, uh, but the process of that, like, I would really like to do that again. I mean, now it's too hot. This is probably not the right time of year, but, uh, you know, I prefer to do that exact opposite of Bron- Bronson. I want to be on a fucking track where it's the same every time. And I can hit that curve the same way every time <laughs> because I'm trying to make one, I'm trying to make that mile time, you know, and, and uh, I have the right playlist. I'm doing the thing. And it's, it's very much, it's very much like lifting almost like I'm like mm. fucking hauling ass to get that done. And I actually really enjoy that. Like I get really excited and I have a lot of fun when I'm doing that kind of running. That reminds me of a conversation I had with this guy that used to go to my gym back in BC. And he's, he's like, uh, he's, he's got a bunch of world records in Olympic lifting. And, but what he said, and it's kind of, I mean, it's just, that sounds like it's basically your mentality. I think it's probably most of our mentality guys that really like to push ourselves is, you know, you may not reach your max deadlift or your max distant running all of the time, but each workout or whatever you're doing, you can find like new little PRs to chase. So maybe like you're not chasing, you know, uh, you're not trying to reach a marathon distance, but you can run, you can get to the point where you're running one mile as fast as you possibly can. Or, you know, maybe it's like a certain weight in the gym where you want to hit a certain amount of reps for as many reps as you can for that weight. And like, there's always different categories of limits that we can push to satisfy ourselves in all realms of physical pursuits. Yeah. And they work well together. The, the, I, I did a 10 mile run early in, in May and that was actually not too, too bad. I was not, not too, too difficult. I was keeping at like a, just over a nine minute mile pace, which is not like fast at all. Um, and then the next day I tried to do the fastest one mile I could. That was a lot harder, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. yeah, that, 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 that is harder. But if you, if you work both ends of that, you can become a, a better all round runner. Um, and, and I mean, Robert Piercing has this, this line about, fixing motorcycles how do you fix a motorcycle you have to be a good person you know because if you're if your relationships aren't good then your he- headspace isn't going to be in the right place to identify the right problem 
And if your motorcycle isn't running properly, you're going to be frustrated with that and your relationship's not going to work. And like everything weaves together, um, which is, you know, one of the points of, of pushing fitness so hard is like, it is a good way to jumpstart your life just all around if you're just feeling better about your life. Um, but running is a, is a good way to do that. It's not the only way, um, maybe not even the best way, but it's a, it's a, a pretty good one. And for all those things we talked about earlier, it connects us with um, who we are as, as a species at that, at that primordial level. And that's, that's, that's good for you as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, and I think it's uh it's also running in specific is a good opportunity to really, I guess, get into that type of headspace that you're talking about where you can be a better person. And that's, again, to come back to the, the mythical side of it a little bit is that is also what the Navajo do as a form of purification. And the only reason I'm talking about Navajo specifically is they have a little bit more knowledge about it than other Native American traditions, but as a form of purification, um, but also as a way to like cultivate future intentions, you know? So it's considered rude while doing a, a spiritual run to, you know, be distracted with noise, not be like listening to the sounds of nature, connecting with nature, the sounds around you. Um, because that also distracts from the, the goal of like clearing and purifying your mind so you can think good thoughts and think about your family and um, get into kind of more of a meditative state where you're clearing your mind to make room for better things. And I think it's really good for that yeah. too. Or just to sit in the boredom, which also has, has utility. Um, it was actually uh, Jack who turned me on to David Foster Wallace years ago in a speech. It was sort of an, I think it was an indirect reference um, to an essay he wrote about how insincerity was killing culture. But I mean, among I was the being other things, because he was a leftist, I think. Yeah. Well, it doesn't mean I I think I was because I love to throw. I used to love to throw out like little like like just throw out like weird little thing to fuck with the audience. (laughs) But 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 he's also not wrong. And and, I I mean, David Foster Wallace, I think was was uh, in there with with minds like Friedrich Nietzsche in in arguing that like on the other side of boredom is uh, like levels of experience and understanding that you can't really experience um, if you can't defer gratification, if you can't endure through the discomfort of boredom. um, And if you can't just wait and see, Um, which is, which is very hard in a, in a smartphone and an internet age um, to do, but, but running provides, um, you know, access to that. If you, if you don't have your headphones in, at least I, I go back and forth. Some, I run with headphones, maybe 20% of the time, but I always feel like I regret it. It's, it's fun in the moment, but it, it's, um, it's a different feeling afterwards. It, it's not the same kind of rejuvenation, um, that you get in running without headphones. In my I own songs in my head, 
if I don't, <laughs> I get worse. So, like it, it, the cadence of my breathing dictates some like retarded, like hook from a song. And then I have that in my head for the entire time. <laughs> I do that oh, when I yeah. too. Like I'll get like a thing in my head. I'm like, why am I singing this stupid song from the seventies? That's now in my head. <laughs> it won't go away. <laughs> that's true. Cadences are, can be a, yeah. Especially if, if someone played Rick Astley too, too recently in your past, you're, you're basically fucked. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Well, to add to that, what you were saying about um, about the boredom thing, I think it was also My- Michael Easter wrote about that quite extensively in The Comfort Crisis, basically about how we're never bored, almost ever. Like, we're always either experiencing some kind of external stimulation or we're on our phone. We can distract ourselves with things. We can distract ourselves with food. But boredom is quite literally where creativity is born. And so running to allow yourself that boredom through the, you know, engagement of motion and, and cause running is very much a cycle. Like you were saying, it's a rhythm, you know, there's actually, um, someone that was very close to me, uh, who's another indigenous person. It basically said like, if you want to learn a song, like a traditional song, learn the song while riding horseback. Hmm. And so by doing that, like you're, you're getting into that rhythm and that cycle with the, the pattern of the way the horse is running, but that's the best way for you to learn a song and to, you know, um, I guess, express your creativity and to be in like the flow of rhythm and, you know, the musicality of just that. And there's no music around, but other than the music that's coming from you, but you know, that was a really interesting, you know, point that he made is that just is like a spark of creativity through this, you know, galloping rhythmic state that you're in while riding horseback. And I think the same is kind of when you're running also. So, I mean, that could just be something that would be interesting to be aware of and even practice while running to make it more enjoyable. It's it's something many, I mean, we already, quoted Nietzsche once, but Nietzsche and also Aristotle both thought that uh, thinking ought to be something that you do while walking in their case. From my experience, running can be made to work, though it's a little different. Um, But uh, yeah, it it sort of goes back to that mental point before. Um, It it, it changes how you think. Uh, But if you don't have that boredom, if you don't have your brain, uh, you know, constantly on something, um, it always feels like some of the greatest mathematicians and scientists that, that purportedly have their their breakthroughs like in the shower or on the bus. They'll be they'll be sitting on something, and it's like in those moments where your brain isn't actively engaged with content, um, it's actually doing things in the background. Mm-hmm. It's actually still working on problems that you had before, and if you're constantly keeping it distracted your brain never gets the chance to work on those problems that you're, you've been thinking through on your own. Um, Maybe I should be more bored. So it happens more quickly. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Cause I I always refer to that as a washing machine. Like there's an idea there and and like it needs to go through the wash until it comes. It needs to keep tumbling. That's a good metaphor. Comes out. 
You know, like yeah. it, maybe a rock tumbler would be better until it gets polished or whatever, but like uh, <laughs> metaphorically speaking, but no, I mean, yeah. cause you know, I have things I'm like, yeah, it's not ready yet. It's not, I know it's not ready yet. You know, like it's not there, but then it just might just be, you know, there's the mindset of like, you just have to sit down at your desk and write until you, you know, what there's that guy. Um, but I, there is something that while you're walking or running or moving, uh, your brain does work better or in a different way. Um, last time I had to rehearse a speech, I was doing it. I, I actually was like, I'm just going to walk around the neighborhood and do it that way instead of standing in the room. Cause you, you get like, you're in the place all the time and you, you, you know, like, it's not, it's harder to do it, but I'm like, Oh, I'm walking and I'm talking. It and also traps you in a, in a, in a one perspective almost. And it's like yeah. a different motion pattern and a different setting. So it causes you to see your own thoughts in a different way. Yeah. And also, I mean, I used to love it, especially when I was in Oregon, because there was, you know, a lot of uh, close to the city, there was a lot of hikes before it just became a trash place. But uh, it, it's, uh, I used to go out, you know, for hikes with my friends a lot. Uh, some of my smart guy friends, you know, like we'd go out talking and you have the best talks uh, on hikes, you know, because you're moving rather than like, oh, we're going to sit and like have beers and cigars or whatever. But if you're, you're going to have like, we're having more advanced conversation or more interesting conversation, your mind goes a different place or whatever. And it just becomes a really active conversation. Uh, if you're walking and talking at the same time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I mean, totally. that can be a really good community building thing too. You know, I mm -hmm. mean, not everyone is going to obviously run marathons, but like, just look at what happens when people get together to run marathons. Like, you know, you're, you're connecting with people from different age groups, different backgrounds, all in this kind of like shared pursuit, but it's also an individual pursuit and you're encouraging each other. And whether it's like running or hiking or any kind of like form of movement like that, or even the kettlebells, like, cause you have so many guys who, who are not really into kettlebells and it's going to be a process for them to, you know, learn the tricks and, you know, learn the different movements they haven't done before but like that's also a really great community builder is these kinds of like movement pursuits because like i think w with weightlifting it can be but that's like much more i think in in individual when it comes to like competition but running can be very you know you can yeah. very much feed off of each other in competition well, well uh, to go back to that primordial setting you know human persistence hunting was a group activity, a pack activity to compare us to wolves. And Christopher McDougall has a long section about the effects of running in a group versus running al alone. And he found that um, people who run and especially who train in groups consistently wind up going not just farther, but also faster and more comfortably. Mm -hmm. Something about being in that group dynamic actually makes it enjoyable in a way that uh, running by yourself does not for most of the people. Yeah. It, it passes the time. I mean, you can, you know, if you, in the, in the way that if I have to spend an hour in elliptical, I'll do an AMA uh, <laughs> like, Oh, well I'm talking to people. I'm doing things. I don't even know that I've been on elliptical for an hour. I'm just like, blah, 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 blah. You know, I'm like yeah. the same thing when you're out, you know, doing any activity with people who you're interacting with and have a conversation, you can do a whole bunch of stuff. Oh, we all have broad thing. Um, uh, you can do a whole bunch of stuff that um, you wouldn't be able to do. You would get bored doing, you know, you get do it bored doing that stuff with uh, people there. And uh, to your point about the, you know, like uh, 
you know, just lifting generally. Um, that's a function of headphones. Uh, what's happened to like gyms is a function of headphones. Um, because gyms used to be very social and now they're not. I actually, because I'm new in town, that's been one of my strategies. It barely ever works because everybody else has their headphones in, but I have taken to just not wearing headphones a lot of times because I'm not trying to hit a PR or whatever. I don't need to be in some space. I'm just walking around, going through the motions, doing the laundry. And, uh, and so, you know, I want to make myself available that someone could actually come up and say hi or like make a comment or something like that. And you, no one will talk. If I have those headphones on, no one will do that. And so no, you're like, not in, in the energy with everyone else. Yeah. 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 And so like you, and, uh, cause you know, if I think about, um, we keep talking about powerlifting just cause there's a common experience, but, um, I mean, like when I first started uh, at the powerlifting gym, uh, at Chris Duffin's gym, when it was in a shitty little like strip mall before it became a huge, big thing. Um, wow. Like you walked in and there's like 15 dudes rotating into bench on the same bench, holding out plates for each other, holding, moving things, everybody's talking, everybody's doing, there's so much energy in that. It was so cool. I mean, and you know, they're doing the powerlifting stuff where you hold boards for people, you know, like so to, to control the range of motion and all that shit that they're doing. And it was so social. I feel like so Ven- engaging. Like Venice Beach back in the 80s in California yeah. is like th- that <laughs> distilled in like one place. Yeah. I like, mean, any find me that anywhere and I will go there. I mean, I don't want to powerlifting at all. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, find me that, that energy, energy anywhere yeah. and I want to be there. And that's why people like CrossFit, uh, because they, it's, it's, it is a group thing where people are talking the entire time and like, it's a social community building thing rather than, uh, everybody do put on their headphones and like go away into their own musical mm-hmm. space and zone and whatever, and not talk to each other, which unfortunately is what commercial gyms are now. Um, but yeah, anything where you can basically anything where you have people interacting is community building. Yeah. And especially what I was saying for having a conversation, um, I think especially with men um, walking and talking is better. I mean, obviously we're doing zoom, whatever uh, now uh, we can do it. Okay. We can do, we're all right. But uh, men talk better shoulder to shoulder. Uh, it's the, it's how we're really meant to operate because it's non-confrontational. And, uh, you know, that men share feelings better shoulder to shoulder. Cause it's not like I'm scared, you know, like it's not like this weird, uncomfortable, like energy, uh, you'll, you have two men walking beside each other, whether you're walking or hiking or whatever. And they'll talk about all kinds of shit, you know, because it's non-confrontational. It's not like, like, it's not weird. Like you're looking into each other's eyes, you know, like it, it's very comfortable for men to talk while they're walking and while they're doing an activity. You know, so it's, it's, it's because you're in a place of power. Like, you know, you're, you're doing an activity with other men. You're either hiking or you're walking or you're running or you're, you know, building something together. It's like that shoulder to shoulder. It's like, you're in a place of power with those men talking. Sure. You're talking about maybe some ideas that are sensitive, but like, you're not disempowered by your body language and the activity that you're doing. You know, like yeah. you sit down face to face, crouch down in, in your little chair and like, you know, immediately you're consulting a friend in that position. It's like, 
if you're the person sharing, you know, your vulnerabilities, uh, you know, you're kind of immediately putting yourself beneath the guy that you're adding, that you're, you're asking for advice from rather than being his equal in a shared effort. Yeah. 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 You're just two guys walking about. So this bullshit happened the other day, blah, 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 blah. And you're just walking along telling them what's went on (laughs) and and that's fine. And yeah, there's not, it's not like, it's not confessional, you know, in the same way. And, and shoulder to shoulder, you're, you're working towards some end. You're accomplishing something, whether that's killing a deer or at least just getting to the finish of a race or installing something or whatnot. I mean, too, too long face to face, at least if you're a guy, I think um, you could begin to get this almost claustrophobic sense that you're just wasting time. Yeah. Um, and I have met people who never get that sensation. Um, I do. I think most guys probably do. Um, and they're like, I, I have to do something. Um, even if that something is nothing, but literally anything other than just more. Uh, <laughs> well, that's why a lot of them drink because that drinking is a thing. That's and true. Drinking is an activity. It's, it's, and that, it's, that's, it's that's, accomplishing that's, something. That's why people are doing it. Uh, they're like, we're drinking. We're doing a thing. <laughs> you know, and that's how they share when they're talking about, you know, because they're, they're doing an activity. You know, it's not just like, you know, like where they're just crossing their hands and like looking at each other, you know, like they're doing yeah. a thing. <laughs> like we're just dovetails you know? back to that addiction subject. Oh yeah, we're <laughs> doing alcohol or caffeine or or yeah, marathons. Yeah, yeah. Or heroin. Heroin. yeah. Mar- marathons are maybe not the worst addiction to have. Oh no, 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 not not at all, not at all. I just I just thought it was funny. That's the other way of bringing it. It's not any worse than anything else. Uh, it's just I, I always thought it was funny because I when I would hear my sister talking about it, it was it was literally like the guys who could not stop benching. But she's like, I know I should stop. <laughs> like, I, yeah, like, I should probably ratchet it down. Yeah, but I really like it. And it becomes, it's also, well, it's also because it becomes um, anything like that. I mean, addiction is kind of like a victim-y language speak anyway. Uh, but uh, anything where you, it becomes part of your identity, then becomes really hard to quit. Yeah. Uh, you know, like if, if you're, if, if you're, you know, if you're known, I mean, okay, my sister's been in the newspaper for being a marathon runner and da, 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 like she, she's, that's who she is. You know, like that's yeah. part of, that's her special, that's her special identity. And same thing with powerlifters. Like if they can't bench three wheels. They don't even know who they are anymore. <laughs> you know, like that's <laughs> like, that's, that's like, who, who am I? What's, what am I? And, uh, and so that's where I think it becomes the thing. And, and that's probably true of most uh, sports that you get really, really into. Like once you can't do with them anymore, then you kind of like, who am I? What, what, what you know, unless you have a really another, another anchoring pursuit that is part of your identity. But a lot of people just have that one thing because, you know, you work in modern life, you get to work your job and then you get one hobby, you know, <laughs> like you get to go have, one, have your one hobby and family and whatever. So you get the one hobby and, uh, and that's what most people do. And so that's their thing. And so it's hard for them to let go of something like that. Yeah. Well, and it, and it also begs to, the question. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say. I think it, I'm it, delayed, it, so I keep oh, sounding like good. I'm trying to interrupt you guys, but I'm 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 not. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's well, this phone. The the question of of addictions and hobbies sort of the the follow up question is then well well how do you go about choosing that one hobby? 
because there's there's a wide range of like video games and and other distractions and escapist activities. And it's not like running isn't escapism of a kind, but um, you know, not all of them are equal. I, I don't think in what they uh, what they tap into psychologically and and physically and what they provide for you. I guess we're talking spiritually as well. And I think um, of the hobbies on offer, running is a, is a uniquely good one, um, uh, you know, compared to uh, e- even compared to lifting as, as great as lifting is. Um, and we've been talking about lifting now for, for a while on, on the running podcast, but, but it's, it's, it's a phenomenal thing to do, but no human is ever going to be as strong as a chimp, let alone a gorilla. Like there are other mammals that are stronger than humans. Right. But there are no mammals who are as good of runners as humans. Like it, it's, it, again, it has that, that species defining quality that, that makes it a, a uniquely interesting thing to connect with and to develop at, at a higher level, I think, um, mm-hmm. compared to, you know, model trains and, and, chess and, and whatnot yeah yeah i mean when you look at something like lifting i mean that's new uh we were talking about yeah. that the other day i was i was like we were talking about body types and how they changed and whatever and uh you know it's like well you know they only invented weights and in like the you know like whatever uh i mean real weights they like that was that was an early 20th century thing yeah uh, you know i mean i can I think i remember the companies that they were there were there, there were like two or three companies in america um and that, that story, and you know, yeah, it, it's it was wild because it's it's changed the world in a weird way. Uh, but uh, you know, people didn't look that way before, but they did run. They yes. were running before that. You know? Oh yes, yeah. I mean, they've been running for a really long time. In fact, it, you know what's what you didn't pull in. Uh, it, it, it is. I was thinking about it where you're talking about Odysseus. Is is that? Uh, um, I mean, obviously, the merit. There's a whole like historical mythological thing with marathon itself. Yes. I forget the hero's name who, who, who runs all the way back from the battlefield, yells victory and then dies. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a testament to human, you know, uh, endurance that we can, you know, replicate that feat hundreds of thousands of times, you know, a year with all variety of human specimens and very few people die. Um, you know, he must've been running pretty hard, but yeah, there's, there's that, there's of course the, the Andean, uh, messenger couriers running their, you know, thousands of miles of road that they made and, um, probably soldiers throughout all of time who had to march long distances and then they had their charges and, um, and all that. But yeah, running is, um, I'm sure, I'm sure if we went back, especially on the, the Amerindian side and the native American or the, um, uh, Greek and African side, you could probably find more myths with, with running, but it's, uh, yeah, it's very, very old, maybe, maybe as old as humanity itself. I don't see why it wouldn't be. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Well, I mean, as opposed to like weight training or, Oh, well, yeah, definitely. It's, it's older than that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, Bronson, are you really there? 
I don't think so. <laughs> I think I think he's frozen. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm like, are you there? Are you just really still? So, or just holding <laughs> a really, really steady pose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I couldn't tell if he was doing that or not. Did I just lose you now too? Oh, oh no, there you go. Sorry. Okay, cool. Yeah. We'll give him well, another second and, uh, you know, so we can sign off, but, uh, it was, mm-hmm. uh, it was a good, a good, good range. Yeah. Well, and I, and I hope anyone who, who listens to this at, at least, uh, won't be able to say the, the, like, what are you running from? You know, long distance runners are like, you know, uh, not, or, or like prey animals, uh, uh, Unironically, right. uh, the the jokes yeah. will continue, and that's all fun and good. But uh, yeah, like that's not really how it works. Yeah, no, no, no. I, it's I, I think if anything, the running from would be a person. Uh, like that's yeah. that you know it's at human distances and, and at human speeds. Uh, if yeah. you're going to be running away from somebody, it wouldn't be a fucking grizzly bear because good good luck. And you have to you have to imagine too. Like imagine yeah. you are a deer. Yeah. And you get ambushed by a cougar. You're like, oh shit. And you you take off running, and the cougar's hot in your heels, and you get over a hill and you think you've lost it. And you're like, oh, okay. You know, oh shit, he's still there. And it's another sprint. Pretty sure you lost him for good. You're you're mostly in the clear. With humans, it's different. It's like, oh shit, there's like five humans over there. So you so you run. Oh shit, they're still there repeat for six hours yeah like you can never get rid of these people and just when you think you've lost them like like skinwalkers emerging through the woods maybe they're wearing antlers too who knows um like (laughs) like they just won't stop um there's almost something more dread inducing in that like terrifying manner of of the of the persistence predator than the than the, the the jump scare of the predatory cat or something yeah well they won't waste the energy you know like after you, know, you get x amount of time and then you're you're good yeah but yeah people are people are hateful and they will they will hunt you for a long time <laughs> yeah. uh, i mean well, that's what that that I, you know i always love that title uh i think it was a short story and then it became a film at some point but the most dangerous game uh yes you know like that's the, uh clear humans are the most dangerous game and we yeah and and that but that's that's also part of human evolutionary history as well because there's at no point were we not killing each other oh yeah <laughs> you know at no point were we not hunting and killing each other that's so, like, humanity that that's part of our evolutionary yeah. heritage as well it's not just hunting so i mean that's an interesting uh point to think about as well oh for sure i i think the reason people don't associate long distance running with um in the same way that we would have in the like ancient primordial past is that today you can just run to a place where there are other people and you're probably fine. But like, you know, 6,000 years ago, that might not have been the case. Right. Um, you don't have a police station to run to. You don't yeah. have, you know, your car uh, yeah. to run to. You don't have like the, the, the public, <laughs> you know, to run to. Um, way back in the day back when our psychology of association uh became what it is right uh, so that's uh that, that that was the 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 pet peeve i wanted to do away with but uh but the values of course ex- extend beyond uh beating bad jokes to death so 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. It's it's, it's one of those things. Uh, you know, running will kill all your gains, and da 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 da. And it's the reality is that that's only true at the extremes of it. Yeah, yeah. That, you know, it's not if you go out and run for fucking five miles, it's not gonna. Uh, your your legs aren't gonna get smaller. Well, uh, <laughs> that's not real. And and like the the other thing is like, who do you want to be too? Uh, right. Like there's the, the you could be Hafthor Bjornsson if you have the right genetics for it, or you could be Cameron Haynes. Yeah. who can lift more than most of these guys and can run. Uh, and, and maybe you're neither. Maybe you can run five miles, but not really much more. And you can bench 210 pounds, but not a lot more. But you can also read the classics and you can also relate to people and you can also earn money and you can also, you know, uh, like do lots of things instead of just one thing really well. This um, too is the lot of man. <laughs> yeah that one it might be a it might be a, a a better way to live in terms of your experience of life uh yeah. there are more things to enjoy um and even even at deeper levels than just doing one thing yeah well and one of the things that my uh, boxing coach had us do uh which i thought was really cool I mean, aside from the running five miles, one mile every day for sure, but like five miles some days, really when he didn't feel like do it, dealing with us, you know, just like go see you in an hour or whatever. <laughs> but uh, um, uh, one thing that he did have us do, which I thought was fantastic, it wasn't quite sprinting, but it wasn't quite a mile, was he would set it up for like uh, round times it's an interval interval training basically oh. yeah like like uh those are the worst and the the goal of it was to do it uh all nasal breathing um you know go bro. go as fast as you can but with nasal breathing whatever because um part of your panic response in like fighting or whatever is when you start to do the whole, like <sighs> that's panicky right there. Like you're doing panicky. Like if you can be like, you're already more in control, mm. you know? And also, you know, and I think it's just, it proves you have better cardio too, but like, uh, you know, it's like, it also depends how many times your nose has been broken, which would, you know, would get where fight guys would get in trouble, I think, with that. But because uh, a lot of them can't breathe through their nose half the time. But uh, it, as far as being able to control your breath, I thought that was a really cool exercise for this crazy little railroad guy that was already our boxing coach. But like, uh, yeah, he's like, yeah, like he was having us run. It was like nighttime and we're out like running uh, as fast as we can. Like it was like a certain amount of blocks and then back. And we're trying to beat you know, like four minutes, you know, cause it was like for a four minute round and uh four minutes or five minutes, I figured what it was, but that we were trying, that was how long we were supposed to run for. And, uh, and to try and do that with nasal breathing. So, cause it's like, if you can sprint that whole time, you're probably gonna be fine with fighting. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember back from track and field and like, gosh, like middle school and the, the always the most painful days, half the days I would throw up whereas the, 200 yard interval training days. Yeah. Um, like halfway around the track, walk back, do that like seven or eight times. You're done. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's that absolutely brutal. Probably really good. Um, a little different exercise than, than endurance running, uh, like persistence hunting style, just 
like like running a marathon, but but also valuable, and uh, and we'll we'll get you in good shape. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I was I was just telling him, uh, Bronson, are you really there? Oh yes, he's moving again. Excellent. Right. <laughs> oh no, we lost him. <laughs> well, I All actually right. do have to get going here yeah, yeah. as well. So we'll wrap up. I, w- I was waiting for him to come back so we could do, could we, uh, you know, sign off, but I think he's going to have issues there in, in you know, India. Gotcha. So, but anyway, man, thanks for, uh, you know, joining me on this and, uh, yeah, we're going to do, uh, some more of these, uh, we have to maybe even do one tomorrow. We'll talk about it later. Uh, and, uh, you know, start putting out some more podcasts for the, uh, order of fire. Uh, for our members and for the people uh, who are watching online. And hopefully I get to have uh, Bronson back on at some point uh, to talk about uh, traveling to India for like a year and more. I think he's been gone for more than a year now. I think so. That sounds yeah. about right. Yeah. And I think he never wants to come back, <laughs> which is kind of kind of awesome in its own way. But uh, but anyway, uh, anyway, uh, great talking to you, man. I'll talk to you again uh, soon and uh, see everybody later stay solar absolutely pater is the cultural arm of the order of fire for more visit ph2t3r.com <laughs>